Arf, Pup Akis here with The Dog Dish, a podcast all about puppy play and the humans behind the hoods. We all remember our first time, am I right? Ask any member of the pet play community, or the adjacent leather, BDSM, or kink communities for that matter, and they probably have a story about this one person that they connected with that one time they went to their first event. You know, that one person who made them feel welcome. That feeling is what this whole episode is about. We're going to talk about the importance of making people feel welcome in pet play spaces, what first-timers can do to make the most of their visit to an event or space, and what regular established members of any community, group, or venue can do to make that extra difference for someone new, to make sure their visit is memorable, and that they'll come back again later on. To do that, this episode will be a bit different from others. In fact, I'll need two episodes to bring you all the interviews we have lined up. These episodes are more narrative-driven than usual, because feeling welcome only happens in specific contexts. We have to dive into those contexts a bit for this episode to really resonate, so I've lined up a few stories for you. Each of these two episodes starts with a brief example from my local community that shows just how important, how simple, and how potentially forgettable it can be to make new folks feel welcome. Those are followed by stories from folks who go out of their way to make sure new people feel welcome in their regular spaces, along with pups who have directly benefited from those efforts. In each of those cases, the person who felt welcomed reached out to me with the story, and the person who welcomed them was kind enough to join us for the interview. What I notice from all these stories is not just the importance of actively reaching out and bringing people in to make them feel welcome in our spaces— but also the humility many folks bring to the process. When it's done right, welcoming a new person into the space can feel effortless and simple, but at the same time, doing it right takes conscious thought and effort from everyone involved. At the end of the next episode, I'll recap everything with a list of suggestions for newbies and regulars alike in an effort to give you some ideas of simple, practical things you can do at your next event, even if it's your first, to make it the best it can be for everyone involved. But like I said, this all starts with stories. First, I'd like to introduce you to Pup Bandit and Chad, who have incredibly different processes for entering new pet play spaces. Hi, I'm Pup Bandit. I'm from New York City, and I am Northeast Puppy 2022. I'm Chad, and I'm from New York City. With their introductions, you might have noticed two things. Bandit's a regional title holder, while Chad, well, he isn't even a puppy. The difference in their connections to the community mean they approach spaces and events very differently. Let's start with Chad's experience. So, like, my only exposure to the pup scene has been obviously porn. I haven't been in person at all. So, getting into a relationship with Bandit, I was exposed to the scene for the first time. And I remember just kind of being anxious and nervous that this is something new for me. It also allowed me to put a, a personalities to the faces and not just uh, sexualize in it. Um, and also, uh, I walking in and feeling very welcomed. And I do remember everybody being very kind, very welcoming. And even though I'm not a pup or a handler or anything like that, I'm still in the scene. It was kind of like, it was life changing for me because I'm like, oh, wow, this is a whole group of people that I could get to know that I didn't know that I could. Even if I'm not wearing a hood or if I'm not a handler. So it sounds to me like you went into a space expecting to meet a whole bunch of people who were pups, but instead you ended up meeting a whole bunch of pups who were actually people. And as a result, you were able to talk to them. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's fascinating. And yeah. did anyone in particular like either pull you out of your shell or bring you into the community, or did you just cheat by being attached to Bandit when you walked in? I totally cheated. <laughs> <laughs> I totally cheated. Um, and it does kind of flow from there. It does take me a while to like kind of connect, but it was definitely because of Bandit. I, I think for me, I just had to remain open-minded and put all my preconceived notions about people and individuals and everything to the side and allow myself to experience the new meeting with people in a different light and just take it as it is and just step forward. So you, you like, you give yourself a pep talk and you're like, put yeah. what you think aside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, all right, stop that craziness. Just go ahead, go in. What can go wrong? People may not like you. Not everybody likes you. You're fine. It's going to be okay. You'll find somebody that you connect with. And I already have somebody I connected with, but on a different level. So yeah, True. definitely. I think going into it like with somebody too, always helps. There's like somebody to glom onto kind of like a safe space. Yeah. Um, but also on that note, like it's kind of like a gateway. But if you like meet somebody, like just you didn't walk in with anybody, you meet somebody, and that can kind of be your gateway. I find that pups are very like good at introducing themselves. They come up to you a lot of times, especially like a lot of times if they're new, they'll try to do that if they're more outgoing. But if they're not, they'll be more reserved. But I find like say you're new and ask to be introduced to someone, because odds are unless that person is first time there too, they're gonna know the people there, and so that's kind of a way to maybe start like hopping around and meeting more people. Because when you first enter the space, it can definitely look pretty clicky mm -hmm. as well. That's also an opportunity. You meet one person and then they can introduce you to the other people or other what we call clicks, you know, mm -hmm. or packs a lot of times. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds like your suggested strategy is kind of just treat conversations as with a single person and it makes the rest of the room sort of go away. Does that sound right? Yeah, kind of. Then you're focused on that. And then um, that's when you also like, even after that first conversation, you start to relax see how kind of like usually much easier it is. And then once you get that initial introduction out of the way, then you can feel like more empowered or talk to people a little bit easier as well. Do you have any like go-to lines that you use if you're going to like walk up to somebody cold and you don't know who they are and you just need a lifeline to connect with a room? Well, if it's the right night, hey, I'm selling raffle tickets. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, I usually just like introduce myself, like especially if I haven't seen them at the event before, like a lot of GKC stuff or Gotham Kennel Club. We have a lot of new people all the time. So if I see somebody, especially a little awkward, like, you know, walk up to them, just be like, hey, like, how's it going? Like, thank you for coming to the event. Kind of like, just kind of like top level, like just talking to them, making them feel comfortable, like how they find out about us and then kind of find out like where they're from, what their interests are and introduce them to others who might have the same interests or like live in the same area. So for someone who is new, because um, everything you just said sounds like it's it's great things to do if you are a regular there and you see someone new, you know, bring up those kinds of things. If someone is new, sounds like I mean this 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 sounds kind of bold to me. But walking up to somebody and saying, "Hey, I'm so and so, I'm new, and I'm inter interested in these things. Do you know other people who are that I could talk to?" would be a really great way to go. Yeah, yeah. and it can be intimidating. But yeah. It can, but then by, by doing that, you're like, you're giving people a conversation topic and you're also helping them find people that you're going to be able to converse well with. So like you go into a space, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm interested in this. And if that person isn't, they're like, mm, gosh, I'm not, but I bet I know someone who is, and they could, then that like tricks them into helping you do all the things. 
Yeah. I like that idea. In your like naming podcast, you said like, that's a good way to kind of introduce yourself. You start with the name and that can usually lead to a story too. So they learn more about you. Also, you're like starting a dialogue and then it can just kind of go from there. You become a lot more comfortable and then they get to know you. They'll probably reciprocate with another story as well. Like so kind of just go from there. Yeah, definitely. There's a, there's been a few times where I've introduced myself and gave them my name and they look at me like, that's not a puppy name. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm not a puppy, but I, uh, his partner is. But where does your name come from? I've said that before. I said, well, that's an interesting name. Where does that come from? Or I ask for the pronunciation to hear them correctly and kind of help build a uh, conversation so I can also welcome people in the community too without being a pup myself. So it's just kind of cool. It's like extending the same grad, the, the, the welcome that was given to me to other people. So that's kind of what I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. That's, that's it really awesome. Leads, it always leads another conversation always i i love that having a non-puppy name is itself an intro to conversation <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> yeah, you see their faces in their head turns like puppy name <laughs> like i know i know, I know. <laughs> like they forget about the whole you know handler like dom side or daddy side too yeah, yeah, yeah. like not everyone's a puppy it just seems that way these days yeah. okay i mean because <laughs> there are so many handlers around you know we're just swimming in them right now oh yeah all two of them in the city mm -hmm. <laughs> i think we got a third in the chat yay <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of the on-demand the reluctant handler yeah right exactly um i've also had some experiences where people reach will reach out to me before an event like if i post about something they'll reach out on like instagram or telegram be like hey like just looking for more details or like hey like i'm new or i'm out of the area i don't really know anybody um, they've asked for advice before too and i always say like you know you can come up to me i'll introduce you to people tell you about the events going on in the area um so i think that helps it's kind of like then they do enter that space with that person like mm -hmm. we've never met in person but now they know me and they know they can talk to me and i think kind of going back to the raffle thing like the neat and sniff like i'm pretty outgoing but also i get really awkward in these spaces especially if i don't know anybody um like when i go go dance too like i always make sure there are friends there so you can glom onto them and then like be more comfortable in the space um but like when i don't have that i also think about like the purpose of why i'm there and why the others are there so like if i'm there to sell raffle tickets they know i am like it's a little bit more empowering because i know they're kind of expecting it so you know you have the conversation um and then they know where it's going to go you're selling the raffle tickets um kind of the same thing with like being in the spotlight of a go-go dancer like i know i'm there to like socialize so i'm more like become i don't want to say become more approachable but people like will approach me because i'm dancing and you know sipping but then also i'm more comfortable approaching people because i'm doing that because i'm supposed to be there to entertain and i think the same thing with the title as well like you're wearing the sash it's kind of saying like come talk to me you know like um that's kind of like why we do the meet and greets or the meet and sniff is to just see how the people interact in these like our settings and how can they talk to others because if you're standing in the corner the whole time that night you're not going to represent the community like very well if you can't talk to them mm -hmm. and and folks who are wearing sashes and such sort of have this obligation to walk up to folks who are standing in the corner yeah uh, absolutely because like you said, they are there to represent the community. And if the community wants to see itself as welcoming, those who represent the community need to be welcoming. And so that means they need to go out and like reach out to the folks who are tucked away in the corner and intentionally and deliberately say, hi, I'm so-and-so, 
and then you know launch into the script that you mentioned. Uh, is there anybody I can introduce you to? That sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not just like them at a new event. They might be like in the community for the first time. Like this is their first pop event, the first exposure. And so this could be really a deciding factor what they're going to do in the future. Because if they're there, they feel awkward and alone the whole time. They're not necessarily going to want to come back. Like even if they just talk to one person, it might make their night and like completely shape their view of the community. Mm-hmm. And so that's how, like that's what like GKC is all about too. Is like bringing people in, especially new to the community, making sure they really see like the community, like the right side of the community, like very welcoming and friendly. Like anyone can join. And I think that's what's really important about us too. Agreed. Um, and Chad, it seems like from your experience, the group sort of lives up to what he just said it's supposed to be. Oh yeah, definitely. because I think your description of your first experience seems to align with with what Bandit was saying. It's supposed to sound like. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I think one of the important things for me is when I get into a new space, I like to see the the different types of people that are in the space kind of represent the group itself. Like when I go there. Um, so to be able to see that and have conversation with people and, and, and there's all different backgrounds, different lifestyles, everything that are involved with the community is, is something that I want to be a part of. That it made it even more comfortable for me. It wasn't exclusionary at all. It was, and somebody who's not a puppy or a handler, it, it was very welcoming, um, regardless of where I stood with that. And that's an interesting observation. So you need to meet a variety of people within the group to get a sense of the boundaries yes. of that group. Yeah. Um, which kind of contrasts with what Bandit said earlier about how you enter a space and it can often look clicky, yeah. but that's just because people have formed yeah. groups to have conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is by sampling those groups and by sampling those conversations, you start to map the size, breadth, and diversity within the, within the group, within yeah. the organization or event. Yeah. And it's also, yeah. it's also important to go to more than one event to see how it changes in different spaces with different people sometimes. And it, it, it remains consistent and the same every time yeah yep that's good observation yeah that's a good point too is like you walk in and it looks clicky but then you watch and those clicks are moving around like people i'm meaning like people are jumping from group to group and then like you said it's just conversations it's not really like click or anything it's it's hard but like ignore or looking for kind of where you can break in to like a new event look for maybe like that title holder um like maybe you feel like intimidated approaching them too because we often are like we people either see us as really welcoming or really intimidating and so i think like i don't know if like hopefully the title holder will like see you but also if you just make eye contact maybe a little they might recognize that you're alone um or just like taking that extra step of kind of like hiding behind your phone like before you go in the sense that like when people reach out to me, then they were more comfortable approaching me like in person because we already talked and I said like, please approach me um, if I don't approach you. So, like, of course, I'm going to try to see them first and approach them first so that they don't have to feel that sort of intimidation. And also on that note, once you get to an event, it's best to stay off your phone as much as you can. It's very easy to like be reserved and hide in your phone, especially like you might end up on grinder stuff or something just to see if other people are there and kind of approach them that way. But one, people don't really like that. They're kind of like, we're in the same space, like, you, like please come just say hi. And then two, it's kind of like, that person's probably not gonna be on their phone for the same reason. So I think also if you're just like looking down in your phone the whole time, you're not approachable either. And so like, it's gonna be harder for someone to come up to you, but it's also gonna be harder for you to see people and connect with them. So it's really about being in that moment, I think too, that really helps. And 
if you're not comfortable introducing yourself, hopefully somebody who is comes along. And then like that as a title holder, whether it's your event or not, we kind of do have the responsibility of bringing people in, making sure they're comfortable and just like make sure they're having a good time. Yeah. And so like going into those new spaces too, you don't know what to expect, especially like crossing state lines. Like there's laws and like, how can you dress or how should you dress or the kind of event? Like, you know, if it's called a puppy play party, what kind of play party is it? If we're having a conversation in the chat the other day, it's kind of like, you don't know what to expect when walking into a new space, like ever. Like, Mm -hmm. because there's so many different events that go on in the same places and that can be described the same ways, but it's all about like the people and the environment when you actually get there. Mm -hmm. Um, So that can sometimes make it a little bit harder to navigate or like make you anxious before even getting there. Um, And so that's why like if people are reaching out to you, reaching out to others kind of helps like establish like what it is or like even talking to people like if you have friends in new york and you're from philly you can always ask like just what to kind of expect in general if it's your first time going out in a new area and they'll probably help you um that's again if you like know people here and so that's why social media is great yep um talking to people before and connecting yeah yeah like for us we usually bring like a circuit bag with our gear in it um or like we decide to kind of like we'll always bring extra stuff like accessories especially and we always kind of like decide once we get there like how it's going to be throughout the night like what am i going to wear like what am i going to end up wearing um or it goes from like kind of like a day to night type thing like your day look is getting there and then you like strip down or change into your more fetishy gear once you actually get there um yeah just going around the city i don't always feel comfortable in the fetish gear either but like being in the city there's always somebody who will look more ridiculous than you it's yes. kind of like what I think of. So I'm like, you think you look ridiculous? You turn you turn around and you're like, oh, okay. Like I could have been wearing that, so I feel fine. <laughs> those are good ideas for heading to an event for the first time, and we'll return to those tips again at the end of part two. But for now, let's talk about how event regulars can make things easier on newcomers, especially before a major or regular event. To help tell this story, I want to introduce Coach Crow and Pup Spike. Yeah, hi, my name is Coach Crow, and my pronouns are he, him. Hello there, I'm Spike. I live in Chicago, and my pronouns are he, him. These two definitely remember when, why, and how they met. And each of them goes out of his way to make sure the great experience they remember didn't become a one-time thing. Yeah, so uh, let me set the stage a little bit, because I think that's important to know where I was in my journey at the time as well. Yeah. Uh, so I had just recently come out as like trans, was like first jumping on to Grindr, that, because I guess that's the natural progression of things. You just become a slut. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and so as I started to kind of navigate that, I also had kind of started to learn what pup play was uh, and had found out like, oh, there's actually people like that in my area. And at the time I was living in Michigan uh, and I tried to like jump into the local scene and it just wasn't quite a good fit. And I couldn't really figure out why, um, you know, people were welcoming, I would say, but not particularly inviting. And I think that that's a, a real distinction that really sticks out to me is that uh Oftentimes, I think when we're in spaces, people say, well, we want you to be there. You should be there. We love when you come. Uh, and then it just doesn't always feel safer. It doesn't feel, you know, that mm-hmm. that same level of wanting to come out and, mm-hmm. and kind of a, a sensation of needing to be there. So I was actually going to Chicago for a completely different reason. I was there for the Toastmasters International Convention. <laughs> and I 
Wait, that's thought, not a leather thing? I'm, I'm so Oh confused. my gosh. Honestly, <laughs> funnily enough, more leather than you would think. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I traveled to Chicago and, you know, was kind of just like reaching out to people like, hey, who's in the area? Specifically, people had given me, you know, examples of places to go and get breakfast. And I was looking for breakfast on specifically a Saturday morning. And there was one place in particular that had been mentioned multiple times, and it was Uncommon Ground, Lakeview specifically, uh, location. And people were like, you have to have the chicken and waffles. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. And so I was just kind of like, you know, reaching out, seeing if anybody was available. And Spike was the person who said, well, hey, actually, I'm available as it turns out. Would you like some company? And I was elated. Um, not only because of the fact that I had found somebody local to hang out, but later I would learn to find that, you know, obviously Spike is great and amazing and awesome and we love him. Um, but also there are aspects of like Spike's life that he was able to share with me in those moments. And, you know, kind of since then that not only were like affirming and reassuring to me as a person, but as a person of leather who also is a dog, not a pup. And so we ordered the chicken and waffles, which was as one does. amazing and delicious as everybody had said that it would be. And uh, so after that, it actually became a tradition. Every single time I'm in Chicago on a Saturday, I would go to Uncommon Ground Lakeview and I would have people go with me, usually people who are new to the community um, or I would, you know, take somebody new every single time in order to, you know, kind of share this experience with them. And it was actually, I think it was MIR 2019 that finally it became a little bit of a bigger to do. So then it evolved into this chicken and woofles. And it was kind of this like impromptu thing, you know, not really planned, but, you know, widely shared. Great. I don't know who's going to be there, but I guess we just show up and see who's there. And then I get in there and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a little bit late, but, you know, I'm here. Uh, we're, we're kind of doing this impromptu, like, group meetup thing. We didn't really make a reservation particularly. And the most amazing thing happened. They said, oh, you're with that group. And I was like, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, yeah, right this way. So what I didn't realize is there's an, a completely separate part of the restaurant, literally behind doors for, like, private functions, bigger parties, stuff like that. And they open the door and here they have put together this entire row of tables. And there's like 20 people there. And I'm just like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> this um, has become a thing. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it really did. And it was just great to have this moment of, you know, not only kind of having this homage to something that was very, uh, important to me and in my journey to kind of come full circle to, you know, having this incredibly long table full of people, having a great time, sharing experiences, enjoying each other, just like that first time that I got to hang out with Spike. And so, Spike, this is the part where you come in and you're like, yeah, I planned it that way. And I meant for that to happen. And I knew that was where we were going from the start. Well, I mean, you couldn't pick a better place in the city to get chicken and waffles. So that, that certainly helps. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I remember about that first time, Crow, was, was uh, 
you were uh, at an Airbnb in the, in the South Loop, so it was going to be a bit of a, of a hassle for you to get up there. So I think I picked you up, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't realize there was a Cubs game that afternoon. <laughs> yes. And, oh, my God. I've and the that. restaurant is a block away from Wrigley Field. And all of a sudden, I realized, oh, crud, we're not going to be able to park anywhere. And there was a spot that opened up right in front of the restaurant as we were driving mm-hmm. by. Like, how did this happen? It was meant to mm-hmm. be. Because <laughs> normally, I would take I'd, I'd take the train there uh, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, if it was a Cubs game. And we, we really lucked out that time. That's amazing. But yeah, that was the, that was a really, you know, that was a fun, that was a very fun meeting. So, um, so Spike, when, when you saw that Crow was looking for somebody to hang out with, to, to go do a thing with or, or what have you, is that something that you often do with people to like reach out and offer to meet them someplace or, or was this a one-off? Oh, sure. Absolutely. No, I understand how how hard it is to get established in the community for for some people. Um, uh, I'm very much an introvert, and so it took me a lot of time and effort and work to to get established. It's uh, somewhat my goal to try to shorten that path for other people, Uh, just because I know what I... I'm not saying this in a negative way in any means whatsoever. I just... I just didn't know anybody and mm-hmm. it was not easy for me to reach out to people. So I just kind of figured a lot of it out on my own, slowly started to make connections and anything I can do to, to make that process easier for somebody else. I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to try to help them out as, as I can. Do you have a script that you follow? Do you have a plan of action that you usually go through? No, no, because everyone is different. Yeah, no, just kind of, you have to read the room. You have to figure out what's, what interests the other individual, what makes them, happy what it makes them tick. So I think that um, the biggest thing that I have learned is that you have to center yourself, right? I think that Spike kind of mentioned it there that if you are trying to help somebody, you need to know them. Um, And so for me, I'm pretty comfortable and confident of knowing myself. I'm pretty in tune with myself. And I knew, well, if people are telling me that this is a great place to go and get food, it's probably good, especially if they're bears. So at that point, I was like, okay, I know the food's going to be good. So already I know I'm going to have a good time. But specifically, I was looking for company. And um, for me personally, I prefer uh, more of like a a smaller group setting or a one-on-one setting. Because quite frankly, then I can hear the person and get to know them and make a meaningful connection. Mm -hmm. Uh, I find it pretty fleeting, most of the interactions that we have in communities in general. But because of technology, the way that we interact, we don't have these... I think they called it like a third third space, which is essentially your places mm-hmm. that were considered places of community, like your bars, your churches, your parks, places that things happen where people can meet and you know congregate and get to know each other. A quick explanatory comma for the unfamiliar. The late sociologist Ray Oldenburg coined the term third place for an engaging, egalitarian, lighthearted, conversation-focused gathering place that's almost as important to us as our home, our first places, and work, our second places. In the modern global north, adults often establish third places in coffee shops and bars, while teens commonly make their third places in shopping malls or neighborhood parks. Okay? Okay, now back to Crow, who was trying to find a third place in the age of Zoom meetings and social distancing. Oof. 
And so for me, that was really important coming into and learning things about community is one, learning things from people who have been in the community for a while or people who haven't been in the community for a while. They still have valuable contributions that I could learn. But also because I, at that point, I was like, okay, I love Chicago. I know I'm going to be coming back and I want to get involved, putting a concept out there saying, hey, I'm going to go do this thing. People tend to follow along and will be like, oh, I can make it or, oh, I'm sorry, I'm working, right? Um, and there's this kind of like domino effect that I found that when people, you know, start then to go and engage and get involved in things and more people, as we kind of mentioned, start to have that FOMO and be like, well, well, I want to go. I want to see what's up. I want to see the other people that are going to be there. Um, and so it does create this kind of like hurting thing that where people just come together naturally at that point. But you have to have some kind of a spark. That's, I think, the key is that just putting it out there and making the ask, because if you don't make your needs known, if you don't ask, you truly will never know. I think that um, realistically speaking, the way that we're interacting with other people, especially when we're socializing, is we're looking for human connection. We're not looking for puppy connection. We're, at least for me, like, you know, when I, I like to think that majority of the time, whether or not I have my hood on, I'm relatively the same person, just damn goofy. Um, but the fact of the matter is when I'm meeting or talking with people, I'm talking to people. I'm interested in knowing them and getting to know them and like their pet space or something like that. To me, that's a little different, right? Because I think also there's an interesting um, kind of transfer there as far as like the way that we socialize, because at that point, you're also, depending on the person, seeing a really vulnerable part of them. And I think that that really just kind of harks back to, you know, treating people as people first recognizing that they're not their gear they're mm -hmm. not you know mm -hmm. uh, something else that we might judge them on when we first see them especially um or you know stereotypes or things that also come with that um and just really making sure that we're putting people first and trying to get to know the people that are there i mean i think ultimately that's why we do we do all of this yeah we we're looking for connections with other people we're looking for communities uh we're looking to and these are these are vehicles to uh, a a common interest that will will lead to that i mean i can also <laughs> relate that to um i uh ran uh, uh hockey leagues for years and that was also very much a a, a social outlet for me i mean sure i love to play hockey but um <laughs> at the same at the same time um you got to know people and you networking and you would hang out with each other and do things. And so you, you, that common vehicle really helps bring people together, especially, uh, in, you know, in the, in the pet play community, we have a lot of people who are very shy and are, have a hard time to connect with other people. And this is one way I think that it makes it a lot easier. A lot of times if someone's very shy and they don't know what to talk about, you talk about yourself um and that sort of softens the things up that breaks the ice a little bit then you can start asking questions you know like oh i've been doing this for many years have you ever thought about doing that or or i i, I play hockey do you play sports um um you know there's there's lots of really simple icebreakers that just kind of help help melt that wall mm -hmm. um a puppy's name it contains a story and it's a prompt mm -hmm. to ask for the story behind where their name came from and all of that. And that can be a really great way to just like, yeah. I know nothing about you, but 
the name Spike probably means something. So I should probably ask where it comes from and then we can go from there. <laughs> um, and, and like you just said, you know, I've been doing this for so long, you know, how long have you been a puppy would be a, <laughs> a, a way to go. Um, and if someone is new to a space to go into that space and say, I am interested in these different things. Do you know somebody who is also interested in those things that you could introduce me to mm -hmm. kind of, you know, using people to help network and all of that. Um, that's something that I wouldn't necessarily think of on my own, like, especially if I'm new in a space to ask a stranger to introduce me to another stranger, but yeah, that that's, that can be a, a very useful skill because you simply don't know who's in that room. And if you, you know, reach out to somebody who does know the rest of the room, they can help you navigate it. That is super important. I will say that I have a lot of experience of finding myself in situations where I end up finding the extrovert in the room who can introduce me to a lot of people. And now I'm that person, which is a really great feeling. And it's important, I think, that, again, it kind of goes back to making sure that you're advocating for yourself and what you want or need because people don't know unless you say it out loud. Mm -hmm. um, and I, But I think it can be difficult. So I think that sometimes when you see somebody, especially if they are incredibly social or are, you know, a social butterfly, especially if you're somebody who is, you know, uh, observant or an introvert or, you know, watching somebody, it can be hard to go up to those people. Um, Akis, I know you have been in that situation. You have been that person for me. I, you know, I remember when we, um, when we were at iPod together and I was like, oh God, I don't know who that super hot femme is in that red dress. And you were like, I know her. And I was like, oh, you please, do you want to be introduced? Yes, yes, please, absolutely, right? And so there, there are these moments, I think, that also they're, they're, again, kind of fleeting. But if you don't take that moment to go and meet people and really also kind of be brave. And be brave is like such a word, I think, that's in some ways overused and in, in some ways simplified. Yeah. So the thing that I always try to remind myself about being brave is that courage comes from being scared of something and doing it anyway. And there have been many situations where I've been nervous. You know, are they looking at my gear? Are they looking at my body? Are they noticing my voice is different? Are, you know, all of these different things that might come up on the surface of somebody just looking at me. Then it's a matter of when I, when you're talking to somebody, am I interesting? Am I engaging? Am I too much? Right. Um, and that kind of like self-consciousness that comes with meeting people, um, but also recognizing that like that's probably happening on the other side as well. They're kind of, you know, mm -hmm. trying to figure out like, oh, OK, you know, a new person. How do I make you feel invited? Um, or if you're not vibing with the person, how do you also like politely leave the situation and be like, hey, you and I are absolutely not going to vibe. But I do know a person who would be more than happy to put you in heavy bondage and leave you in an alley somewhere. To <laughs> right. So I, I think that it's, it's, which is what I, I want don't... to do to you right now too. It... But... <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, exactly. It's one of those things I think where, you know, not only recognizing where another person is at, but recognizing where you're at and realistically what you can or cannot offer them. The one thing that we really found helpful as an organization with the, with the Chicago Pet Patrol is that uh, at our events, we have someone who is a designated ambassador. And mm. at our 
Barnite, that's even has a lighted badge. So you can find that person very easily. If you're new and you don't know anybody, find the person with the lighted badge and they will introduce you and they'll get you feeling comfortable as much as possible and try to welcome you and, and integrate you into the community, at least for the time being. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been very successful. Uh, and it, it's been uh, uh, a way to get people who are on the fence of even coming out in the first place. Someone might be mm-hmm. in our Telegram chat. Oh, I would like to come, but I've never been before. I'm kind of scared. Like, yes. Hey, I get it. We understand it. It is scary the first time. It is. It's Absolutely. for everybody. It's scary the first time. But look for look around. If you don't know anybody, look for a lot of times I say look for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> Or find the person with with the lighted badge, and that person is there to help you, to help you feel comfortable and get you going, and, and, and understand how everything works, and, and and welcome you to the to the to the event. You know, Spike really sums it up well. Of just having a point person is really helpful. You will see people who oftentimes are in chat saying, "This is my first time. I'm not even sure if I should come yep. out. Oh my god, I feel so stupid on the train. Should I even wear my hood?" And yep. it's like, do what makes you feel comfortable and safe to get here. And once you get here, find these people and they'll make sure that you're good. And that is something that I've definitely seen, not only just from a welcoming perspective, but like also from just genuine concern for that person, wanting to welcome them in and also make sure that they're okay. Welcoming people in can start long before they arrive. Crow and I talked about the confusion and anxiety that can arise from taking transit for the first time in a new city. It's so familiar to locals that they can do it with their eyes closed, but it can be overwhelmingly complex for outsiders, creating a deterrent, especially for a one-time event. I live in New Jersey, which is car-dominated, with events spread out over distance, creating a different set of barriers. When I drive to any event, I always offer to carpool with others who either live nearby or can get to a nearby train station. If I'm helping someone navigate from New Jersey into or through New York City, I bring a spare transit card because the cost to me of paying their fare is orders of magnitude lower than the cost to them of trying to figure out the system and acquiring the fare themselves. Seriously, being able to keep moving and just say, here, take this spare card and do what I do is totally worth the $2.60 charge. It's a matter of helping lower barriers of access for new people. Because those are, as you kind of mentioned, these kind of unseen or uh hurdles mm-hmm. that people don't always i think think about right there is obviously the the social anxiety that goes along with it but there's also the other things of like uh you know i feel like it's that kind of analysis paralysis that happens of like mm-hmm. well what do i wear am i you know do i go really sexy do i go what what is the vibe um and one of the things that actually i see done really well specifically in um pdx or portland um pets and handlers is they actually have a lot of information on their events specifically. So things that are more nuanced because of the uh, demographics that they have and serve within their community itself. So information that I see on uh, their events that I don't see on other events necessarily is like, what's the dress code? Is it that you're going to an event that you're going to be, you know, uh, pet gear is encouraged or, you know, that you shouldn't wear your your hoods or something like that. I know that when I first moved here and even before when I was just visiting, it would blow people's minds because downtown Chicago, I'm wearing my full gear. I'm walking. I do not care. Nobody looks at me. Nobody cares if anything they're hollering and complimenting. 
Yep. Great. I love that. Take a picture. I love that. I noticed when I moved here and I was, you know, hanging out with different people, specifically in Seattle. And you just sometimes will see people walking, you know, down the street, um, not usually in full fetish wear. Uh, the weather doesn't usually permit it. People were kind of like uncomfortable. Or if I was wearing like all of my gear, then they would be more encouraged to wear their gear. Mm-hmm. But it would very much be like, okay, I'm going to stick really close to you and we're going to go as a group and we're going to, and I'm like, what is happening? This has never (laughs) been something I've ever felt concerned about. And I've, thankfully, I've never had um, any like violent or negative Mm -hmm. experiences. There are those nuances, I think, when you go to different areas, as you kind of had mentioned, Akis, of knowing what the vibe is of the actual community that's there. I find going around Chicago, people want to take pictures uh, and I'm happy for it. I wear gear in town all the time and, and, and it makes people smile. It brings, Mm -hmm. it brings joy to people. They want to take photos. And my favorite is when someone's trying to take a picture on the slide from a distance. Yes. Like, Hey, want a photo? You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't have to be secretive about it. Here I am. Spike, any parting thoughts? Yeah, you know, there's a, a lot of people who want to get involved in the community and they don't really know how, or they're a little, they're afraid of, of diving in. And um, not everyone is good at helping other people get started in the community. And if that's not something that you are comfortable or feel that you're good at doing, um, find somebody who is. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of us out there who remember what it was like for us uh, and how hard it was for us to get started mm-hmm. and know what it takes to help someone over that hump. Mm-hmm. So if if that's something that you're not comfortable doing, that's fine. That's okay. There are others who are. Find out who those people are and make those connections. Delegate to the dogs. that's great advice to pause on i'll be back soon with two more stories in a part two episode that rounds out this topic thanks for listening to the dog dish i'm your host pup akis special thanks to pup bandit chad coach crow and pup spike y'all shared your stories and helped us see these important intimate moments from your perspectives and i appreciate your time and candor If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy these conversations and want to keep them coming, if these episodes help you feel connected or informed, please help support the show's production. Imagine if you and I had these chats in a bar and you'd say, let me buy you a drink. Consider sending that along to make sure everyone everywhere can benefit from these discussions. Just follow the Become a Patron link at dogdishshow.com. Or if inflation has lightened your wallet, donate some advertising by telling a friend about the show or a specific episode you think they'd like. Thanks for helping out. And once again, I want to send out some heartfelt gratitude to Marco for his continued support. Well, that's it for this episode of The Dog Dish. Be sure to train your favorite podcast player to fetch so you'll hear the next episode once it's released. Or you can visit dogdishshow.com for all the episodes, for more information about the show, and to get in touch. Otherwise, until part two comes out, you stay. Stay tuned for more, that is. Arf! <laughs>